Hello and welcome to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny, and today is Thursday, August 17th. I hope you're having a wonderful day. If this is your first time listening, I, of course, want to say welcome. My Daily Trivia is a 10-round quiz show with no specific themes, no specific topics, and no specific categories. We do, however, have a new episode every day, Monday through Friday, with each day getting progressively harder. So, today is Thursday, which means that today will be somewhat difficult. Uh, however, if you find this episode to be a bit too challenging, well, I encourage you to listen to it anyway. In fact, I encourage you to listen to tomorrow as well. You never know, you might surprise yourself and know the answer to a question. And even if you don't, you might learn something along the way. If, however, you find this episode to be maybe a little too easy, well, check in tomorrow on Friday and we will make it a little bit more difficult. So, Without further delay, let's get into today's first question with the question number one. Which English rock band is famous for the hit song Stairway to Heaven, released in 1970s? And that famous band was, of course, Led Zeppelin. Stairway to Heaven is a song by English rock band Led Zeppelin, released in late 1971. It was composed by the band's guitarist, Jimmy Page, and lead singer Robert Robert Plant for their untitled fourth studio album, uh, which is often titled Led Zeppelin, just four. The song is widely regarded as one of the greatest rock songs of all time. The song has three sections, each one progressively increasing in tempo and volume. The song begins in a slow tempo with acoustic instruments, guitar and recorders, before introducing electronic instruments. The final section is an up-tempo hard rock arrangement highlighted by Page's guitar solo and Plant's vocals, which ends with the plaintive a cappella line, quote, and she's buying a stairway to heaven, end quote. Stairway to Heaven was voted number three in 2000 by VH1 on its its list of the 100 greatest rock songs. In 2004, Rolling Stone magazine ranked Stairway to Heaven number 31 on its list of 500 greatest songs of all time, and it was the most requested song on FM radio stations in the United States at the time, despite never having been commercially released as a single in the U.S., Uh, Fun fact, the band was originally called the Yardbirds before settling on Led Zeppelin. One account of the new band's name was chosen because uh, the critics had suggested that a supergroup with Paige and Beck, who was another member, would go down like a, quote, lead balloon, which is, of course, an idiom for disastrous results. The group dropped the A in lead, lead is spelled L-E-A-D, at the suggestion of a friend Peter Grant, so that those unfamiliar with the term would not produce it as lead. So once again, the English rock band famous for the hit song Stairway to Heaven was, of course, Led Zeppelin. Moving on to question number two. What is the highest peak in Washington State known for its stunning natural beauty and popular hiking trails.
The highest peak in Washington State is Mount Rainier. Mount Rainier, also known as Tahoma, is a large active stratovolcano in the Cascade Range of the Pacific Northwest in the United States. The mountain is located in the Mount Rainier National Park, about 59 miles, that's about 95 kilometers, south-southwest of Seattle, with a summit elevation of about 14,400 feet, or roughly 4,400 meters. It is the highest mountain in the United States of Washington and of the Cascade Range, the most topographically prominent mountain in the contigu contiguous United States and the tallest in the Cascade Volcanic Arc. Due to its high probability of an eruption in the near future, Mount Rainier is considered one of the most dangerous volcanoes in the world, and it is on the decade volcano list. The large amount of glacial ice means that Mount Rainier could produce massive lahars that could threaten the entire Puyallup River Valley. According to the United States Geological Survey, about 80,000 people and their homes are at risk in Mount Rainier's lahar hazard zones. The diverse in indigenous people who had lived near Mount Rainier for millennia have many names for the mountain in their various languages, but George Vancouver named Mount Rainier in honor of his friend, Rear Admiral Peter Rainier. The map of Lewis and Clark expedition of 1804 and 1806 refers to it as Mount Rainier. That's R-E-G-N-I-E-R-E. -E -E. Slightly seems slightly more French to me. Although Rainier has been considered the official name of the mountain, Theodore Winthrop referred to the mountain as Tacoma in his posthumously published 1862 travel book, The Canoe and the Saddle. For a time, both names were used interchangeably, although residents of nearby city Tacoma prefer Mount Tacoma. Uh, that is actually a mountain that I have on my bucket list to climb, so hopefully it won't erupt anytime soon. Moving on to question number three. In the metric system, what is the unit of measurement for electric current? And that unit of measurement is called the ampere. The ampere, often shortened to just amp, is the unit of electric current in the international system of units. As of 2019, redefinition of the SI base units, the ampere is defined by fixing the elementary charge E to be exactly, bear with me here, to be exactly 1.6021766634 by 10 to the 19th power, sorry, to the negative 19th power, C. C is a column, which means an ampere is an electric current equivalent to 1019 elementary charges moving every 1.6021766634 seconds or 6.24150974 times 10 to the 18th degree elementary charges moving in a second. Now, in, I'm, not a, I, I'm not a math or science person. I'm actually more of a history person, so that doesn't mean much to me. Uh, however, I can tell you that the Ampere is named for French physicist and mathematician André-Marie Ampere, uh, who lived from uh, 1775 to 1836. Uh, this French physicist, André-Marie, studied electromagnetism and laid the foundation of electrodynamics. 
in recognition of Ampere's contribution to the creation of modern electrical science, an international convention signed at the 1881 International Exposition of Electricity established the Ampere as a standard unit of electrical measurement for electric current. See there, I was still able to get some history into that question. So once again, the unit of measurement for electric current is the Ampere, shortened to Amp. Moving along to question number four. What historic tornado outbreak occurred in April 1974, affecting 13 U.S. states and producing a record number of tornadoes in a single 24-hour period? That event was called the 1974 Super Outbreak. The 1974 Super Outbreak was the second largest tornado outbreak on record for a single 24-hour period, just behind the 2011 Super Outbreak. It was also the most violent tornado outbreak ever recorded, with 30 F4 or F5 tornadoes confirmed. From April 3rd to April 4th, 1974, there were 148 tornadoes confirmed in 13 U.S. states and the Canadian province of Ontario. In the United States, tornadoes struck Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, and New York. The outbreak caused roughly $843 million U.S. million, which is equivalent to about $4.5 billion dollars in 2019, um, with more than 600 of that, 600 million dollars of that occurring in the United States, the outbreak extensively damaged approximately 900 square miles. That's about 2,300 uh, kilometers squared, along a total combined path of about 2,600 miles. That's about 4,000 kilometers. At one point, as many as 15 separate tornadoes were occurring simultaneously. The 1974 super outbreak was the first tornado outbreak in recorded history to produce more than 100 tornadoes in under a 24-hour period, a feat that was not repeated globally until the 1981 United Kingdom tornado outbreak and in the United States until the 2011 super outbreak. Moving on to question number five. Which two major rivers form the fertile crescent in the Middle East often considered one of the cradles of civilization. And those two rivers are the Euphrates and the Tigris. The Fertile Crescent is a crescent-shaped region in the Middle East spanning modern-day Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Palestine, and Jordan. Together with the northern region of Kuwait, southwestern region of Turkey, and the western portion of Iran, the Fertile Crescent is believed to be the very first region where settled farming emerged as people started the process of clearance and modification of natural vegetation to grow newly domesticated plants as crops. Early human civilizations such as Sumer in Mesopotamia flourished as a result. 
technological advances in the region, including the development of agriculture and the use of irrigation, of writing, the wheel, and glass, most emerging first in Mesopotamia. As crucial as the rivers and marshlands were to the rise of civilization in the Fertile Crescent, they were not the only factor. The area is geographically important as the, quote, bridge between North Africa and Eurasia, which has allowed it to retain a greater amount of biodiversity than either Europe or North Africa, where climate changes during the Ice Age led to repeated extinction events within ecosystems became squeezing against the waters of the Mediterranean Sea. The Saharan Pump Theory posits that this Middle Eastern land bridge was extremely important to the modern distribution of old world flora and fauna, including the spread of humanity. So again, that was the fertile crescent formed by the two major rivers of the Euphrates and the Tigris. Moving on to question number six. What is the name of the process by which a large portion of a population becomes immune to a disease such as COVID-19 through either vaccination or previous infection? And that process is called herd immunity. Herd immunity, which is also called the herd effect, community immunity, population immunity, or mass immunity, is a form of indirect protection that applies, applies only to contagious diseases. It occurs when a sufficient percentage of a population has become immune to an infection, whether through previous infections or vaccination, thereby reducing the likelihood of infection for individuals who lack immunity. Once the herd immunity has been reached, disease gradually disappears from a population and may result in eradication or permanent reduction of, of infections to zero if achieved worldwide. Herd immunity created via vaccine has contributed to the reduction of many diseases. The exact herd immunity threshold, or HIT, varies depending on the basic reproduction number of the diseases. An example of a disease with a very high threshold was actually the measles, with an HIT exceeding 95%. So again, that process uh, by which a large portion of a population becomes immune is called herd immunity. Moving on to question number seven. What is the name for the traditional Japanese and Chinese method of fishing that uses trained birds to catch fish? And that method is known as cormorant fishing. Cormorant fishing is a traditional fishing technique in which fishermen used trained cormorants to catch fish in rivers. Historically, cormorant fishing has taken place in China and Japan, as well as Greece, North Macedonia, and briefly in England and France. It was attested as a method used by the ancient Japanese in the Book of Sui, the official history of the Sui dynasty of China, completed in 636 CE. Although cormorant fishing once was a successful enterprise, its primary use today is to serve the tourism industry. 
This artisan fishing method is no longer used anywhere except in southwestern China, where it is also under threat from competition by more modern methods. To control the birds, the fishermen tie a loose snare near the base of the bird's throat. The snare, the snare does not stop the bird from swallowing small fish, but prevents the bird from swallowing larger fish, which are temporarily held in their gullet. When the cormorant has caught the fish in its throat, the fisherman brings the bird back to the boat and has it regurgitate the fish. So again, traditional fishing, uh, fishing method in Japan and China is known as cormorant fishing. Question number eight. What is the name of the calendar system that is based on the cycles of the moon and is used in many Islamic countries for religious and civil purposes? And that calendar system is called the Hergy calendar. The Hergy calendar, also known in English as the Muslim calendar or the Islamic calendar, is a lunar calendar consisting of 12 lunar months in a year of 354 or 355 days. It is used to determine the proper days of Islamic holidays and rituals, such as the annual fasting and annual season for the Great Pilgrimage. In almost all countries where the predominant religion is Islam, the civil calendar is the Gregorian calendar, similar to most countries in the world. The Hijri calendar enumerates the Hijri era, whose epoch was established as the Islamic New Year in 622 CE. During that year, Muhammad and his followers migrated from Mecca to Medina and established the first Muslim community, an event commemorated as the Hijra. The earliest surviving use of the Islamic calendar is on a papyrus from Egypt and is written in 22 AH, that was about 643 AD, uh, and that papyrus is known as Perf 558 and is also the oldest surviving Arabic papyrus. Moving on to question number nine. In Mickey Mouse's first cartoon appearance, which short film introduced him to audiences? And that short film was called Steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie is a 1928 American animated short film directed by Walt Disney and Ubi Ewerks. It was produced in black and white by Walt Disney Studios and released by Pat Powers under the name of Celebrity Productions. The cartoon is considered the debut of both Mickey and Minnie Mouse, although both characters appeared several months earlier in a test screening of Plain Crazy. Steamboat Willie was the third of Mickey's films to be produced, but it was the first to be distributed because Disney, Walt Disney, having seen the jazz singer, had committed himself to produce one of the first fully synchronized sound cartoons. Steamboat Willie is especially notable for being one of the first cartoons with synchronized sound, as well as one of the first cartoons to feature a fully post-produced soundtrack. The film has received wide critical acclaim, not only for introducing one of the world's most popular cartoon characters, but also for its technical innovation. In 1994, members of the animation field voted Steamboat Willie 13th 
the book of 50 greatest cartoons, which listed the greatest cartoons of all time. So again, Mickey, Mickey Mouse's first debut was in the short film Steamboat Willie. Moving on to our final question of the day, question number 10. What were the code names given to the two atomic bombs dropped on Japan during World War II? And those atomic bombs were known as Little Boy and Fat Man. On the 6th and 9th of August, 1945, the United States detonated two atomic bombs over the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The bombings killed between 129,000 and 226,000 people, most of whom were civilians, and remained the only use of nuclear weapons in an armed conflict. Japan surrendered to the Allies on the 15th of August, six days after the bombing of Nagasaki and the Soviet Union's declaration of war against Japan and invasion of Japanese-occupied Manchuria. The Japanese government signed the instrument of sur surrender on September 2nd, effectively ending the war. In the final year of World War II, the Allies were preparing for a costly invasion of the Japanese mainland. However, by July 1945, the Allies' weapon Manhattan Project had produced two types of atomic bombs, Little Boy, an enriched uranium gun-type fission weapon, and Fat Man, a plutonium implosion-type nuclear weapon. The Allies called for unconditional surrender of the Imperial Japanese Armed Forces in the Potsdam Declaration on July 26, 1945, the, alter the alternative being prompt and utter destruction. The Japanese government ignored the ultimatum. Japan ultimately surrendered to the Allies on August 15th, six days after the bombing of Nagasaki and the Soviet Union's declaration of war against Japan and their invasion of the Chinese region of Manchuria. According to longtime lore, the bulbous-looking fat man's bomb name was inspired by British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. After the Thin Man bomb, whose moniker was inspired by the U.S. President Franklin Roosevelt, didn't come to fruition, the gun-type uranium atomic bomb named Little Boy was developed. It was likely dubbed as such because it was smaller in size than its partner in Fat Man. So, once again, the two names of the bombs or Little Boy, and Fat Man. Well, that will conclude this round of My Daily Trivia. If you, uh, if you found this round to be simple, well, I encourage you to check in tomorrow. On Friday, we're going to crank it up just a little bit more. And, of course, if you found this round to be a bit of a challenge, I always encourage you to listen tomorrow as well because you never know. You might surprise yourself. You might know the answer to a question. And even if you don't, you might learn something along the way. As always, we encourage you to tell your friends, tell your family about about My Daily Trivia. We're always trying to grow the community here. And as always, I want to thank each of you again for listening to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny, and I will see all of you tomorrow. <laughs>